Here is another powerful message from New Vision Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. To hear the rest of this series and others, join us at newvisionlife.com. Last night uh, we did what uh, a lot of you do in the in the fall. We had a we had a fire out in our backyard. Had uh, our grandkids over. We did s'mores. That was a that was a big deal. And then uh, everybody left, and so we we uh, cleaned up. And that was about uh, ten thirty, and uh, which is late for me. We got an extra hour, so everybody's feeling good this morning, right? And so I I went out to put the fire out, and so I got a in a big pitcher of water and I'm just pouring that on the fire and then just this white plume of smoke is just uh, going up and it it just in that moment sort of reminded me of this of this series you see that anybody in my neighborhood who was in close proximity could tell by the smoke that something was going on underneath that and so that's why our emotions function our emotions are like smoke signals and if we learn to read them right it can really bring a whole new level of freedom. And so today, uh, we are going to talk about what I believe is the most costly emotion that you and I have. What we're going to talk about for the next 30 minutes has cost me more than anything else in my life, and that's going to be anger. So we're going to talk about it for a few moments, and we're, going to, we're not going to talk today about how to to really manage anger, because that's what a lot of times we do, and I've preached messages on that, uh, how to manage anger, but the Bible doesn't do that. The Bible really teaches us how to read anger, and if you can read anger, then you have a chance to really break, break free from it. So uh, let's go ahead and jump in. I want to say good morning to all of you at Buchanan. Obviously, it is, uh, it's great to have you joining with us. It is so exciting to have folks uh, watching us online, so we're glad that, uh, glad that you're here. Uh, let's talk about the high cost of anger for just a moment because some of you, anger has cost you a marriage. That's a high cost. For some of you, anger has cost you a close relationship with your children. There have been things that have been said in the past and it's just never been the same again on the other side of that. That's a high cost. For some of you, it's cost you a job because you lashed out in anger and you don't work there anymore. For some of you, like me, it's cost you friendships. That's a high cost. I can think about friends in my life, friends in ministry, who, to be honest, is just not the same with them anymore because of words spoken in anger. There are folks watching right now from the Rutherford County Detention Center and from, from 940 and, and folks that we get a chance to minister to uh, on a consistent basis, and you're watching right now, and, and, the, and the truth of the matter is some of you are there today because of actions that were really motivated by, motivated by anger. And so I think what we're about to talk about can be super helpful, but it will be a little bit more difficult to really lock in and see what God wants to teach us. Uh, before we go a little further, let, let me say this. Some of your issues with, with anger, what I'm going to talk about today, probably aren't going to hit you where you are because some of you have experienced some trauma in your past and that trauma really needs to be dealt with, and that's causing some anger in your life. And so we have a care ministry. Uh, you can go even right now on your phone to our website, to our care page, and, and just in the privacy there of that moment, sign up for some biblical counseling or some encouragers. I'd encourage you to do that. We have folks that are waiting to meet with you. Some of you, when you abuse alcohol, when you drink to intoxication, it causes you to respond in anger, all of us. 
All of us have had relationships in the past with folks when they abused alcohol. They just were very different and they responded in anger and it was a pretty frightening kind of environment to, to be in. And so we have some help uh, for you as well if you would like that. Now, Let's go just a little bit deeper as we think about anger, because some of us, as it relates to anger, when we, when we experience anger, we kind of have a, a scorched earth mentality. When we get anger or we get upset, we go off, and, and after about five minutes, we feel better, but everybody around us feels worse. We, we kind of leave a high wake. Others, those that were nodding just a moment ago, others, here, here's your response, you 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 have a cold response, and so when you get angry, you just shut people out. Uh, you, you give them the old silent treatment, which in essence is saying, I'm turning my presence away from you. You don't deserve my presence right now. That's really kind of, you, you freeze people out. That didn't go over like I thought it would. The point is, neither one of those are a healthy response to anger. They're both wrong. They're both super, super, super destructive. But today, we're going to talk first about how to read anger. When you leave here in the next 30 minutes, my hope is that you would have a better understanding from Scripture of how to read anger because until you're able to read anger, you're never going to be able to be free from the destructive part of anger. Or, here's the other thing, you'll never be able to experience all the benefits. That may sound weird, the benefits of anger, because anger has some amazing benefits to it, right? And we're going to see those. So let's take a look at Scripture, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. In Ephesians chapter 4, uh, Paul is talking about really the new reality we have in Christ. He's talking to believers who have uh, been born again, have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of them, and because of the Holy Spirit, because of the power of the Word, they have a chance to respond differently than the way the world responds. So he's talking about the elements, and we're going to see a couple of them, elements of this new reality that should really make a difference in the way that we live our life, especially as it relates to how we respond to this emotion of anger. And, and watch verse 26. This is a confusing verse. Paul says, be angry and do not sin. That can be confusing because when we think about anger, we think that anger is always negative. Anger is not always negative. Be angry and do not sin. We'll talk about it more. And do not let the sun go down on your anger. That's going to be something we're going to come back and talk about as a key to how we uproot anger in our life and give no opportunity to the devil because when we live in unrighteous anger, we're playing right into the hand of the enemy. We are fueling him and the destruction that he wants to bring about to still kill and destroy so we have to understand how to read anger. Look on down at verse 30. Look what Paul says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. When you respond in anger, it affects everybody around you, doesn't it? Like everybody around you kind of moves back and sort of, when, when, when you go scorched earth, I'm not saying I do, I'm just saying I've been around some people who have. Everybody around them begins to pull back, and they're not who they're supposed to be. But here's something I don't think we ever think about. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, does the Holy Spirit of God dwell inside of you? Quick, yes. Is the Holy Spirit a force or a person? A person. And so anger really grieves the Holy Spirit. I don't think we think about that, right? We might think about anger's effects on people around us, but anger will really, uh, unrighteous anger, let me say, unrighteous anger affects us spiritually, grieves the Holy Spirit. And anytime the Holy Spirit of God is grieved in your life or in my life, we don't experience the power of the Holy Spirit, all right? This is important stuff. 
Verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. And to that we would say, boy, I would love to do that. Paul, I would love to be free from anger. My wife would love for me to be free from anger. My kids would love for me to be free from anger. Everybody who works for me, to be honest, everybody who knows me would love for me to be free from anger. But how do we do that? Because it's not as simple as as this just saying, hey, stop being angry. That doesn't work. So Paul gives us the second reality of this new nature in this section. And again, we'll come back to this in just a few moments. He says, be kind to one another. The first reality is not letting the sun go down on your wrath. The second reality is be kind to one another. Uh, You might write this reference down. Those of you who are really trying to study Scripture as opposed to just read Scripture, uh, write down uh, Romans chapter 12. Starting, uh, I think, in verse 17, Paul talks again about anger and not taking revenge. He says it's almost like when you, when, you re, when you don't repay someone evil for evil, when you respond, even when someone has injured you, uh, wronged you, loved them and served them, it's like heaping burning coals on their, their head. He says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving. Here it is, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. That's this reality that we'll close with today. Now, let's take our notes out and let's go to work for the next few minutes. I'm going to give you three questions just very quickly here this morning that are going to help you understand how to read anger because everybody deals with anger, right? Does that make sense? Do you? I do. I've dealt with anger all my life and I have paid a high price for my anger. Anger has cost me more than anything else. Anger has cost me more than my house, more than any car I've ever bought, more than my kids' education, more than anything else. Anger has cost me a high, high price. But I, I, I've never really learned how to read anger. And so today, I want to I help us try to read anger. Here's the first question we need to ask. Is, is, anger, is anger all bad? Right? Again, the Scripture says to be angry and do not sin. Ephesians 4, 26, be angry, that's a command, that's an imperative to be angry. The scripture tells us that we are at times to be angry, so that tells us that anger isn't all bad, right? So what we're going to see is there is an unrighteous anger that we can have, and we've got to learn how to read that, and there is a righteous anger that, that we can have. And so here's what I would say, anger is a necessary component of love, like, we're, we're going to see that in order for you to really love fully, then anger is a necessary component of that. And that may be confusing right, right now. But let me try to define anger. And I'm going to say this multiple times. Here's a working definition for anger. And I want you to really lock in here today, right? Here it is. Anger is a powerful energy or emotion, we could say, a powerful energy or emotion released in defense of something that you love. What is anger? Anger is a powerful energy or emotion that is released in defense of something that I love. Anger is a powerful energy or emotion that is released in defense of something that I love. Some of you said, you just said that three times, right? Because we can't read something if we don't know what it is, okay? Anger in some ways is, is, is like, it's like chemotherapy. Chemotherapy is released to attack something, to really protect someone that we, we love. Anger is like a guard dog that is released against something to protect something that we love. Now, anger is a neutral emotion. Anger is not necessarily bad or necessarily good. It can be, it can be both. We're going to see it in, in Scripture. Here's, a, here's another definition, which is a little more technical, but I, I want to share it with you because I think it's really good, because I don't think we think of anger this way. Let, let me just ask you to see if you're tracking with me. When you think of anger, do you think mostly of, of a negative connotation, 
mostly anger is bad. Well, anger is not all bad. Anger has some very positive, positive effects. Uh, Dr. David Siemens said this. He said, anger is a divinely implanted emotion, closely allied allied with our instinct for right. It is designed to be used for constructive spiritual purposes. The person who cannot feel anger at evil is a person who really lacks enthusiasm for good. If you and I, he says, cannot hate what is wrong, it is very questionable whether we can love righteousness, right? So that makes us think about anger very differently. Anger, listen, anger is a catalyst for change. One of the reasons that, that, that we can't find our mission in life, one of the reasons that we can't break free from destructive things in life is we don't understand or we don't know how to read, we don't know how to read anger. You see, a, a few moments ago I said this, I said anger has cost you so much, right? Remember we talked about that? Marriage, maybe, jobs, Some folks are incarcerated because of anger. But let me tell you, I think the higher cost of anger is is a part that we never talk about. Not being able to properly read anger as this divinely implanted emotion that God has given us has cost us probably our mission in life. We don't even even know what it is that God's called us to, to do. You see? So that's a higher cost than what we ever thought thought about. Anger can be a catalyst for a change, or anger can be a catalyst for destruction. I say it this way, anger can be used to fuel your mission or it can be a tool that brings misery to everybody around you. Does that make sense? Anger can fuel your mission if it's properly understood and it's read the right way or it can be used to deal misery to everybody around you. Now, it's interesting, in the Old Testament, 18 different times, as far as I can tell, in the Old Testament, it talks about the anger of the Lord. So we wouldn't say if, if, if God is, is, is angry 18 different times in Scripture, we see that, then, then maybe anger isn't all bad. Jesus shows anger in the New Testament. My favorite example of that, and there are multiple examples, is Matthew chapter 21. And again, why are we talking about that? Because we started with asking this question, is anger all bad? And the answer to that is No. There is righteous anger, which we're going to take a look at, and there is unrighteous anger. So here's the work that you have to do. Here's your part, right? Here's your part. You have to determine when you're feeling angry, is this righteous anger or unrighteous anger, right? That's your part as you're trying to read that. Does that make sense? Matthew chapter 21, starting in verse 12, here's Jesus. And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple, and he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. He said in verse 13, he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. This is one of my favorite stories when I was a little boy. Like, this is Jesus, and he walks into the temple, and he just cleans house. Like, I, I didn't grow up kind of at first thinking Jesus was that way. I, I just saw Jesus, like, with, with children and with lambs, and he was meek and mild. And I, I love this story. But what's in play in this story, right? Jesus comes into the temple. What is he angry about? Now, here it is. Here's the context. Here's the backstory. And some of you know this, and some of you don't. The, the high priest was a very powerful, that his family held a very high, uh, powerful position in, in Jerusalem. He, he controlled the temple. 
and all of the sacrifices, and, and it was a very lucrative position. What he was doing, what the high priest family was doing, is when people would come in from the outskirts to Jerusalem uh, to offer sacrifices for their sins, which is a great thing, right? And they would bring animals many times to sacrifice, and so the high priest family, those who worked for him, would go up and say, you know what, let me take a look at that sheep there. Uh, I see, it's got some faults. It's not pure, so you can't use it. Got good news for you. We've got some for sale. Just make your way on down a little bit closer. You get down to the temple. We're selling some pure animals for sacrifice. And they just jacked up the price on those animals. And so it was a way to take advantage of people who were trying to come to the house of the Lord to worship. And and, and they were extorting money. They were oppressing these people. Do you see that? And Jesus looked at that and said, here's people who are coming to worship my father. And they're being oppressed. And Jesus was angry, you see, and rightly so at this oppression, this is righteous anger. I mean, and Jesus comes in and he turns over tables, man. I mean, this just gets raw for a few minutes, right? And, and nobody confronts him. Like, I love that. Nobody's like stands up to him. So that tells me Jesus is a, is a dude. Like nobody is messing with him. They're like, all right, I'm out. And, 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 and we don't see this in the gospels. We don't see Jesus going back to his disciples that afternoon and saying, guys, forgive me. I lost it in there. Like, I, I was too far. I was having a bad day, right? And uh, I just, he never does that because this isn't sin. This is righteous anger that is focused on the oppression of people and people taking advantage really of the glory of God. Now, here's something that maybe you didn't know. Look at the next verse, verse 14. This is going to help you so much read anger and determine whether it's righteous anger or it's unrighteous anger. Look at verse 14. After Jesus turns over the tables and drives out the money changers, uh, then... It says the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. Isn't that interesting? Like, have you ever been around somebody who just went scorched earth? You want to get as far away from them as possible, don't you? Like, you're like, whoa, I'd like to talk to you about a healing, but I'm going to wait for another day here. Seems like you're not having a good one. No, no. These people who, who were needed healing, who were sick and the lame, they immediately came to Jesus because they understood his anger was surgical. Like his, his anger was, was really about those who were oppressing people and the sin. It wasn't about them, and they felt super close to him. They weren't afraid of him. You see, that's the thing. Unrighteous anger is dealing very specifically its sin and disobedience and the, and the oppression of people. And, and folks felt like they could come in short-lived. That might be another way to say it. And so is my anger short-lived or w- w- when I'm lashing out, does everybody sort of move further away from me? That's a good key to learning how to read your anger. Now watch this, verse 15. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, that Jesus did, and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David. So uh, people are praising Christ. Watch this. They were indignant. In other words, they were angry. Why were they angry? Because Jesus is getting praise instead of who? Them, right? So it shows that their vanity had been offended, their ego had been offended, and we're going to see in just a few moments. That's one good way to realize the difference between righteous anger and unrighteous anger. Here, let me summarize this. Righteous anger really is about injustice. Righteous anger is about the glory of God. Righteous anger is about sin and immorality being addressed. That's righteous anger. Righteous anger is surgical. Uh, it, is, it is an anger focused on protecting the oppressed and exposing sin. So here, here's, here's what I might say. In the face of evil, 
in the face of evil, in the face of children being trafficked, in the face of prejudice, in the face of sin that is destroying people's life, in the face of evil, if you and I aren't angry, guess what? We're not. We're not loving, right? See, nobody wants to say amen to that, but it's true. Because, and, and here's why. We always think that, that anger is just, it's just wrong. John Chrysostom, a church father, said, said this. He said, it is true that he that is angry without cause sins, but he who is not angry when there is cause also sins, and perhaps even to a greater degree, right? Now, let's take a look at unrighteous anger. Unrighteous anger, it comes from loving the wrong things or loving the right things out of proportion or the wrong way. This is going to be super important. And again today, please, some of you are bored. I, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing that. I want so much for you to be free from the destructive benefits of anger. I want to be free from the destructive benefits of anger, don't you? But we have to learn to read them. And so if we're going to be able to read anger, we're going to have to be able to think just a little bit and ask some really important questions. So unrighteous anger, where does it come from? If we're saying our emotions are like smoke from a fire, what's causing me to feel the way that I'm feeling? Well, unrighteous anger comes from loving the wrong things, improper desires, or even loving the right things, maybe even like our children, the wrong way, making them gods. That's where anger comes from, right? And James says it this way, what causes quarrels and fights among you? What stirs up anger? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? So it is these wrong desires that are at play here. Loving the wrong things or loving the right things the wrong way creates desire because what is anger? Anger is this powerful emotion that goes out to defend the things that we love the most, right? So does it make sense? If we love the wrong things, you see that? If I'm loving the wrong things, then my anger is going to be mis misplaced. Augustine said this, this is an amazing statement. The root of our sinful sinfulness is disordered loves. The problem is not your behavior. The problem is not your sin. The problem is even deeper than that is the things that you are loving that are wrong. And so the root of unrighteous anger is unrighteous desires. And we're going to look at a few of those in just a few moments. I can tell you guys are looking at me like, man, I don't get this. Well, here's the first question. Let's see how you've done. Let's take, the, let's take a test, right? This is just a pretest. Let's see if we got the first point. Is all anger bad? No, you're doing well, right? So you think, man, that was boring, but at least I got the first question right. I'll hang in. There's two more. You could still fail. <laughs> is all anger bad? No. Uh, Jesus, was, Jesus was angry. Is right, there's a difference between righteous anger and unrighteous anger. Now, secondly, this is a bonus question. Uh, do you know how to determine the difference between righteous anger and unrighteous anger? You have to think about that a little bit. When I'm, when I'm feeling that, can you ask the question, what I'm feeling right now, is this righteous anger? Is this defending the oppressed? Is this defending the glory of God? or an anger that is focused on sin that wants to damage and affect people's life, or is it unrighteous anger? It's more defending something that's not right within me. Now, here's a second question in our, in our outline. This will be on the test. This is the million-dollar question. This is worth getting out of bed today because if you would apply this when you feel anger, it will help you learn to read anger. It would start to slow you down, and now you'll be able to break free from anger. And Wouldn't we love to do that? right? Here's the question. What is my anger doing?
defending. When you feel anger, here's the question to ask. Okay, what's my anger defending? Instead of what we, what we typically say is when you feel anger, when you feel anger, then take a walk around the block, right? Or, or call a friend and just vent to your friend. Well, the Bible calls that foolishness. Now, well, those things help. Those things might help, but they'll never set you free from anger, right? What you have to do is you have to say, what is my anger defending, all right? Again, let's go back and look at our definition of, of anger because if we don't understand this, this is going to be so hard. Anger is a powerful energy or emotion that is released in defense of something that you and I, what? Love. Anger is a powerful energy or emotion that is released in defense of something that I love. So the question is, I'm feeling anger what is my anger re revealing? What am I defending in my life? What is this passion that my anger is defending? Um, I live down off of Haynes Drive, right down here. I see some neighbors who live the same way. Can I tell you guys something? Thompson Lane, if you're getting out of here, and get on Thompson Lane and head north, okay? Thompson Lane, there, there, there are four lanes. It's going down to two lanes real quickly. Do you know that? It is. So get in the left lane. Or very quickly merge into the left lane. Don't drive down almost to the Dollar General and then lock it up and stop. It drives me nuts. I'm angry. Somebody said amen. Now that's an example. Uh, what, so the question is, what is my anger defending? I'm angry. What is my anger defending? Well, it's really defending my convenience because convenience becomes king in my life, right? So my anger, what is my anger defending? My anger is defending my own convenience. Now, you ever been, we talk about this, you ever been to an eight-year-old's uh, ball game and a call doesn't go the right way for Johnny and uh, his dad goes through the roof and there's only one other person that's angrier than him. It's his mom. She's, she's literally chewing through the fence right now. And you're like, wow. Now, what is her anger or his anger defending? They're angry. What is their anger defending? You see, that stops. It's a good question to stop in the midst of that and say, what is my anger defending? Well, could it be maybe even a distorted love for this child? I've made this child an idol and somebody's messed with my idol. And if you mess with my idol, you see, anger is this powerful emotion that is released in the defense of something that I love. Um, many times in, in counseling, I, when our church was smaller, I, I did a lot of marriage counseling. Now we have great counselors that, that do that. But you would have couples who would come in, and one of the problems was they were very upset about money and spending. And every time uh, she bought something, he, he would go through the roof. And she said, you know what? He's got an anger problem. Well, no. Anger is a powerful emotion that is released in the defense of something that we love. His problem at its core isn't an anger problem. It's a greed problem. Do you see that? Unless you deal with that... You'll never be free from the anger. Does that make sense? And so to stop and say, you know what? Now, now, yeah, we can talk about spending and we can talk about a budget and all that. But at the core, is it this improper love of money that is a God in your life? You see, this is the question you have to ask. Uh, when, when someone says something to you, when you, you read a comment on Facebook uh, uh, about you, and boy, I have in, in my job, I have... Uh, 
numerous people who have said things about me, have even created um, websites just taking comments that I've said and, and piecing them together. That's a lot of fun, right? And uh, there have been times, man, in my past where I've been so angry and I wanted to fight every single one of those fights. And so when I heard somebody making a, a negative comment about me, then I would just go on the attack. But then I had to stop and say, listen, what is my anger defending? Now, I'm not saying that what they're doing is right. I'm just saying for me, the question I have to ask is I'm feeling anger. What is my anger defending? And many times it was, it was an unhealthy ego. It was vanity. It was loving myself more than anything else. And see, now I'm beginning to understand what's driving the behavior. Do you see how this can make such a difference in every area of our life? Uh, John Stott said this. It's a, it's a powerful statement. And he's talking about the difference. We said there's unrighteous anger and there's righteous anger. This is so important. Let me say this. He says, God's anger is poles apart from ours. What provokes our anger is usually just injured vanity. Never provokes his. Let me, let me stop you for a moment. Think about this for just a second. I mean, we're thinking this morning. When Jesus goes to the cross, do you remember a few things that were said or done to him when he went to the cross? He was cursed at, spit on, his beard ripped out. And Jesus goes to the cross, and what does he say? Father, forgive them. Jesus never attacks or, or, or lashes out in anger when someone is, 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 is attacking just him. It's always when people are attacking the oppressed or the glory of, of God. You see, that's when Jesus' righteous anger is in, in place. You see, I'm just the opposite. So let's watch what Stott says again. God's anger is pulls apart from ours, and spiritual growth begins to take place, spiritual maturity, when those poles begin to shrink, when we begin to be more angry about what God is angry about, right? You see that? God's anger is poles apart from ours. What provokes our anger, usually injured vanity, never provokes his. What provokes his anger, which is evil, seldom provokes ours. Father, help me hate what you hate and help me love what you love. Help me know the difference between unrighteous anger and righteous anger. Now, here it is. Here's a sermon in a sentence. The way to deal with unrighteous anger is first to confess and repent of unrighteous desires that are fueling my anger. Can I say that to you again? Because what is the question we ask when we feel angry? What is my anger? You missed that question. So you got the first one. So you're one for two. That's a 50. God grades, you know, on a curve, you're going to hell. Anyways, or if he doesn't, I don't know. It's not right. That's bad theology. You're not, I didn't mean that. I'm just trying to get you to pay attention. What does, the million dollar question is, what does my anger defend? What is my anger defending? It's unrighteous desires. The way to deal with unrighteous anger is first to confess and repent. When God reveals that, well, this is vanity. This is ego. This is greed. I confess that and repent of that. I'm repenting of what is fueling anger, Right? So let's look at the third. We're almost out of time. Some of you are like, please, I feel like I'm in a lecture here. How do you uproot anger? So what have we said? Is all anger bad? No. What is my anger defending is the second question to ask because until you understand that, you can't confess and repent of what is fueling your anger so you'll never be free from that. 
And then finally, how to uproot anger. Look back at Ephesians chapter 4 and look at these two things that Paul says are a part of this new reality that will help us to uproot anger in our life. These are two elements of this new reality. Number one, the first, uh, Paul says in Ephesians 4 verse 26, he says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and go give no opportunity for the devil. What is he saying? We must resign. We must resign as judge of our world. You've got to resign of that. You've got to drop the title of judge of your, of your world. Because when it says, in your anger, do not sin and do not let the sun go down on your sin, I thought that meant, when Amy and I first got married, I thought that meant every time we're in an argument, we need to stay up until we get this thing right. So we would stay up to 2 and 3 in the morning, and finally I just said, you know what? I give. Because you're still mad at me and I'm still kind of upset with you. And we're not getting any better. I'm not sure it's what that passage means. He says, uh, in your anger, do not sin and do not let the sun go down on on your sin. What what is he saying? He's saying, not letting the sun go down on on, 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 on your wrath really means I don't have to carry with me to bed tonight the burden of righting all wrongs. I don't have to carry with me to bed tonight the burdens of righting all wrongs. God, you can right the wrongs. You are the judge. I am resigning as judge in my life. I'm going to let you do what you do. Righteous anger releases to God while unrighteous anger chooses revenge, right? Righteous anger just releases it to God. Yeah, they shouldn't have said that about me. They shouldn't have done that to me. That was wrong. But listen, I'm going to let you be you. I'm going to let you be God. I'm going to let you deal with them. That's why Paul says in, in Romans chapter 12, as far as it depends upon you, live at peace with everyone. If there's a chance to serve them, serve them. And when you do, it's like heaping burning coals on their head. What does that mean? Heaping burning coals on their head. As I respond to them with grace, it might wake them up to their sin. You see that? Like if you're dead asleep and somebody puts something hot on your head, you're what? You're up. Or it might, it might increase their judgment as they stand before God unrepentant finally one day. Either way, you can let God be God and you can go to bed, not having to be the judge, not having to right all wrongs. You know, sometimes when somebody wrongs us, we say this, I'll get back at them if it kills me. (laughs) Let me tell you something. It will. It will. That's what bitterness and anger will do. Revenge is useless. Why? Because it's elbowing God out of what he promised to do. God promised to be the perfect judge. God promised to deal with all things, and he will. And if you take revenge, you just said, I've got it. Now, the problem is God deals with people perfectly with his justice, and I do it pitifully and painfully. Anybody else? When I take matters into my own hands, I don't, I, I, I'm, I'm not a perfect judge. Now, let, let's look at the second reality, and then we'll be done here today. This will uproot anger. The first is, I can go bed, to bed at night. I don't have to right all wrongs. I'm resigning as judge. I'm recusing myself. I'm recusing myself of judge because they wronged me. They did this, but God, you saw that. You're alive. You're at work. You'll deal with it perfectly, right? Second thing is this. We must recognize that we are first sinners and secondly sinned against. That's why Paul says this in Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. He says this is the second reality of this new nature. Remember first that you were sinner first, and secondly, you were sinned against. The reason that we still deal with anger is because we flip those. We think first about how we were sinned against instead of first that we were a sinner. Unrighteous anger, if you stay in unrighteous anger, do you really know what it says? It says you don't believe the gospel. It says you don't believe that you're deeply flawed and have sinned mightily against God but have been completely forgiven by his grace. 
The second thing it really says is you believe anger changes people. Well, anger didn't change you. It was the grace and mercy of Christ that changed you, right? Am I right about that or am I wrong? It's the kindness of the Lord that leads to repentance. It's understanding how much that we've been loved by the grace and mercy of Jesus that changed us. James 1.20, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. What produces the righteousness of God? The grace and mercy of Christ Jesus. Let me close with a couple of questions just by way of a challenge to take to the house. Would you think about this this week? Maybe write this down. What is my anger defending? Would you do some work and maybe even ask your spouse or your kids to do, do this together? What do you, do you think it is? Because some of you, your anger could be defending some oppression that's going on. There are some people that are being oppressed in and around you, in your life, people you see, and that is a righteous anger that is defending the oppressed. And you, you may be, that anger may be leading you to your ministry in life. Do you see that? So don't miss it. What is my anger defending. It could be some folks who are caught in a certain type of sin, and every time you see that, boy, you get, there's a, there's a righteous anger. What is my anger defending? You may never know your mission and ministry for life until you learn how to read your anger. Does that make sense? It could be that your anger is defending something else. What is my anger defending? Why do I feel this powerful emotion and what is it really defending? It could be that it's defending control. Because I think about most of the times when Amy and I have been in arguments and she said something to me and wanted me to do something or, or confronted me on something, what really bothered me was that she threatened my control because that's what I love. I love to be in control. So my anger is defending my love for control. And I don't have an anger problem. I have a control problem. And the only antidote for that is to confess that, which means to agree with God about that and to turn away from that. How do I turn away from that? I surrender to Christ completely and acknowledge that He's in control. Some of you look this way. It's time to go. But for some of you, here's been something we haven't talked about all morning. Some of you, you're angry at God. Now, you wouldn't say it in your small group. But you've been angry at God for a long time. Why? Because God hasn't come through for you. She died. He left. They rebelled. I'm a sick. And you're angry at God. What is that anger defending? Well, it could be that for you, God is just a cosmic divine waiter who's meant to meet all of your needs. And what it's really revealing, what your anger is really revealing is when all of those needs hasn't been met, you've been angry at God, but what's the real problem? What is that anger revealing or defending this inordinate love of self that I'm completely caught up in me 
and my needs, my desires, my wishes. And the moment that God didn't come through on my timetable in a way that made sense to me, then I lashed out at him and I was angry. And I'll hear people say, it's okay to be angry at God. I bristle at that. I would say, it's okay as long as you ask the question, what is my anger defending? Don't stop there. Don't stop there. What is my anger defending? And what you might find, it's a complete love of self. It's a complete love of self over all things. So to confess that, to confess that to him and to repent of that, and fall deeply in love with who he is and believe that what he has for you is greater than anything you could even dream for yourself and trust him. Father, thank you for this moment in time. Teach us as your people to learn to read anger. Father, because we're missing our calling in life many times. And secondly, in unrighteous anger, we're destroying people around us. We're grieving the Holy Spirit. We're fueling the enemy. God, show us what our anger is defending. Father, through the power of the Holy Spirit, show us what our anger is defending. And then today, would we repent of that and surrender to you so that we could experience a release? Could we let you be judge? Could we forgive others as you have forgiven us? Could we remember that we are first a sinner and only secondly someone who has been sinned against? Teach us that and use that to uproot anger in our life for your glory and our good in Jesus' name. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we'd like to invite you to one of our Sunday morning services. We meet at 820, 940, and 11 a.m. If you would like more information or would like to watch or listen to more of our services, please visit us online at newvisionlife.com. This broadcast is brought to you by New Vision Baptist Church, where our mission is guiding people to lives of gospel transformation.